Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Well, it's a great blessing to be back here at Bethel Church here in Stratford, as Pastor Chad said. We were here for the first time in February for one of these services, and now to be here on the last Sunday of May. And I just want to encourage you, I know that this is the last one over the summertime, and then you'll resume again in the fall, but uh, to make these special nights a priority, really just to press into the things of God, seeking more of the Holy Spirit. As I said in my prayer, you know, there's a prophecy about Jesus that he said that the rich, uh, he will send away empty. Now, that's not talking about finances. It's talking about uh, an attitude of superiority. Uh, Those who feel like they're self-sufficient, they're going to go away empty. But the hungry, he will fill. Are you hungry tonight? Not for natural things, but for spiritual things. And if you'll develop that spiritual hunger, hallelujah, the the blessing of the Lord is there for you. Praise God. I love this church. I've been familiar with it for many years. I honor Pastor Charlie and his dear wife and the years of service that continues. And I just know, coming to this region here, I'm excited because this church has a great history. And I know there's been great seasons of renewal in God throughout the history of this church. I believe that, and I don't just say these things, but I believe that God always has greater in mind for us. So your best days are yet before us. Amen. Because the path, and we're actually going to look at this scripture in a minute, but the path of the righteous to get brighter and brighter. And I believe, and I don't even profess to understand all this, but I just believe that there are pockets and areas of spiritual wells. Some people call it portals or open heavens, or I don't really what, care what you call it, but long as we're drawing from it. Amen. And I just believe that in this area, that there is uh, in God, you know, people who have prayed even in past years for moves of God, and maybe they saw in part, but not the fullness. Those prayers are not diminished or void. Amen. They, they continue in God. When you pray, it just echoes like throughout eternity, and those prayers are still active. Hallelujah. And uh, I just believe with all my heart that God will do something new and fresh in your midst. And uh, we thank God for what he's already doing. Amen. But for the greater thing, praise God. It's great to have a few people from Bethel Sarnia that's come with me, and, and Drew and his family, and Dave Strieve over there, and, and Greg and Carol, a few friends that have come, and they may help us pray with you afterward as well. Praise God. Can I just preach for a little bit tonight? Is that all right? You don't, you don't have a choice. You're here now. <laughs> if you have your Bible, open it up to the book of Genesis, and, uh, or your smartphone, Amen to your Bible app. I hope you have uh, some, something to look at the scripture. If not, it may be up on the screen or you're just going to have to listen real close. But I want to just share, and we're going to look at a few scriptures tonight. I hope you can just lock in with me here for the oh, next three, three and a half hours. I don't know. I'm teasing. Uh, next uh, half hour, 40 minutes. And uh, we're going to go through some scriptures. But this is a revelation the Lord gave me a few years ago that 
It's been really powerful in my life, and as I've shared it, it's been something that's been powerful for people to really see, and I believe you're going to see some things that maybe you've never quite seen before, and it's going to be a great blessing for you. How many know when, you, when the Word of God comes to you, when you know the Word, and you get the revelation, there's freedom for you in that, amen, and there's blessing. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to kind of preach and teach a little bit here tonight. You say, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? I was told the teacher tells it and the preacher yells it. <laughs> and that I don't know either. Amen. But Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Notice the plurality. We understand here already. We know that God is one, but the, the plurality, us and our and so we understand the concept of the Trinity. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Now notice he said, let us make man, but now he's saying let them. And we'll see in a minute, as he made man, he also of course made man and woman. So there's no, there's equality here with God. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and you ladies are going to like this one a lot, and all the creeping things. I want you to know tonight you've got dominion over the creeps, amen, over the creeping things. Hallelujah. All right. And so notice the intentions. I want, as we begin this, I want you to see the intentions of God. And the intentions of God right from the beginning is to give man dominion. And it says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now notice, male and female, he created them. This is both for the man and for the woman. Now verse 28, and God blessed them. Hallelujah. In this beautiful, right from the very beginning, we see the intention of God for man and for woman, God's original plan, and right from the beginning, there's blessing. Hallelujah. And God bless them. You need to know and settle in your mind, our God is a good God. He's a blessing God. And I want to tell you, we see it right from Genesis, and it's true today, God's plan and intention for your life and for my life is one of blessing. Amen? He is a blessing God. And God bless them. Praise God. God wants to bless you tonight. Not just tonight, every night. And God said to them... Be fruitful and multiply. Praise God. So in the blessing, everybody say the blessing. In the blessing that God has for you and for me is fruitfulness and multiplication. God wants you to be fruitful. Now, we understand in this study of this text that the primary application that he's speaking about is for Adam and Eve to come together and to have children, to have descendants. He goes on to say, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Amen. But I don't think it's any injustice to also say that God wants us to be fruitful, not just in the physical, but in every area of our lives. You believe that tonight? Every area. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants this church to be fruitful and to multiply. He wants this ministry to be fruitful and multiply. He wants your life to be fruitful and to multiply. You say, where do you know that, Pastor Tim? Well, just jump over to John's Gospel, chapter 14. Jesus said, I would that you 
you would bear much fruit. Did he not say that? He even talked about pruning. Why? So that you would bear more fruit. And he talked about much fruit. Amen. And so God's intention, you got to believe this tonight, for your life and for my life is one of blessing. And in that blessing is fruitfulness, multiplication, and then he goes on to say, and fill the earth. Amen. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So there is in the blessing, fruitfulness, multiplication, amen, and dominion. Come on, everybody say that tonight. Say, in the blessing, there is fruitfulness, multiplication, and dominion. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, jump over to chapter 2 of Genesis, and let's pick it up at verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7, and it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden. Everybody say, planted a garden. Eastward in Eden, where he put the man whom he had formed. Now let me just stop right there and say this. In the calling that God has for your life, it'll always be connected to a place. God had a a calling, a blessing, to be fruitful and multiply, but notice he set them in a place, and it was out of that place, what was the place, the Garden of Eden, that they were to then function and move and be fruitful and multiply. God's calling on your life will always be connected to a place, and it's out of that place that fruitfulness comes. I believe with all my heart that many, if not all of you here tonight, are planted in this house. Amen. This is the garden of God here in Stratford, Ontario. Amen. This is like a garden. Praise God. It's a church. It's a community. Amen. But it's a garden. Hallelujah. The garden of God. And God wants to bless you. He wants fruitfulness and multiplication. And God has put you in this house. He's put you in your business. He's put you in your residence. Amen. He's put you there. That out of that place comes that fruitfulness and multiplication. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. I believe you do. So he planted a garden. Everybody say a garden. And then verse 9, And out of the garden the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant for sight and good for food. Amen. Right there we know God's a blesser. He gave him food. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So let's just look at some of the information we have already. God has made man, made the woman. His intention is for blessing. His intention is for fruitfulness. His intention is multiplication. His intention is that they fill the earth and subdue it. God places them in a garden, and it's out of that garden that this fruitfulness and multiplication and subduing and filling the earth is to flow out of. Amen. In this garden, there are trees. There's food. Hallelujah. There's blessing. There's nourishment. There's refreshing. What else is in this garden? Look at verse 10. It says, now a river. Wow. That's awesome. That's very small print up there. Amen. (laughs) If you can see that, God bless you. Amen. But that's great. Thanks for trying to put that up there and for doing that. I appreciate it. But everybody say a river. Verse 10, a river. 
So not only was there a garden that God placed man, and there was all these trees and vegetation and fruit, there was a river that flowed through this garden. Notice it says it went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there, from this garden, it parted and became four riverheads. Everybody with me here tonight? Everybody say one river became four rivers. Now, the names of the rivers are given. And I want to also give you the meaning of these rivers. Some of you may want to write these down. The first is Pishon, and it literally means in the Hebrew, a river of increase. Everybody say increase. Woo, that sounds pretty good. Amen. And uh, then the next one's in verse 12. Well, actually, verse 13, the name of the second river, Gihon, it means bursting forth. Hallelujah. Praise God. So there's a river of increase. There's one river becoming four rivers, going out of the garden, a river of increase, a river of bursting forth. The next one is in verse, uh, uh, where is it? Verse 14. Uh, and, and it's the Tigris, and it's the river. It means rapid or quick, fast. I'm telling you, things that God can do, it can happen quickly. Amen. It can happen fast. And then the fourth river is the river Euphrates, and it is the river, and the word rephrase means fruitfulness. Everybody say fruitfulness. Praise God. So here they are in the garden, blessed of God, commissioned and called, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. Hallelujah. This is the blessing. This is the call of God on your life. God wants to bless you. Amen. He wants you to be fruitful. I'm talking about every single one of you. I'm not just talking about Pastor Chad and Melissa. I'm talking about every single one of you here tonight and myself. Amen. Come on. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to have authority. Amen. He wants us to fill. Amen. The earth. And we'll start with Stratford, Ontario. Amen. He wants us to fill. Amen. For the blessing of God. And there's a river that's four rivers. Hallelujah. A river of increase, a river of bursting forth, a rapid, quick work, and fruitfulness. Now, I believe in the intentions of God that God's plan was for Adam and Eve to take the seeds of the Garden of Eden how many know as long as you've got good seed and good soil and good water, you can produce a harvest in a garden? Doesn't that make sense? What a powerful concept seeds are. Just that little seed that goes in the ground, and if you've got good ground and you water it, <coughs> excuse me, you're going to have a harvest. I believe that God's intention for Adam and Eve was not to stay in the Garden of Eden their whole lives but to rather reproduce the garden all over the world. As long as you've got seed and soil and, and water, amen, as long as they just followed those rivers wherever it took them, they could recreate, they could be fruitful and multiply, they could fill the earth with the garden of God. Doesn't the Bible say that God wants to cover the earth with his glory? Hallelujah. Now, how many know that Adam and Eve blew it big time? They never did fulfill all that God had called them to do. Now, look at the instruction that God gives. 
So here's this river, becomes four rivers. Look at verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden, now notice this, to tend it and to keep it. Everybody say tend. That means to care for, to cultivate. Now, some people have the misunderstanding that Adam and Eve, all they had to do was just sit and eat fruit in the garden all day, never had to do any type of work or anything. Yes, it wasn't work with thorns and thistles and with the sweat of the brow, but they had a responsibility in the garden to take care of their garden. This is before uh, the, the fall and the curse, amen. Now again, it wasn't with the sweat of the brow somehow, and we don't know fully how to appreciate it, but there was responsibility. They had a responsibility, according to this verse, to tend to, to care for, to cultivate the garden garden of God. Hallelujah. And to keep it. That word keep means to protect, to guard. Amen. Now, some people have the mistaken idea, just like I said, first of all, that Adam and Eve just sort of sat around and did nothing. No, they had responsibility. They had to cultivate. They had to care for their garden. They had to look after it. Amen. Some people think when we get to heaven, all we're going to do is sit on a cloud in a white robe and play a harp all day. That would not be heaven to me. That would be hell. No, when we get to heaven... We will, yes, worship the Lord, but we will also serve the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I don't understand it all. It's going to be different. Yes, it won't be with thorns and thistles and sweat of the brow. But when we get to heaven, we will have responsibilities. There will be things to do. Praise God. I'm excited about that. Fact. The other mistaken idea that people have is that Adam and Eve were just these naive babes in the woods, so to speak, and they had no idea that they had an adversary, totally caught off guard that there was an adversary. I don't believe that, and here's why. Because God said, you've got to take care of your garden, and you've got to protect it. Now, for me, the only reason you have to protect something is that there's the threat that someone may try to take what you have. Isn't that true? The only reason we lock our homes is because there is the potential that someone could just walk right in and take what we have. The only reason we lock our cars is because there's the potential that someone could come. And so we put a watch, we put security, we set alarms, we put guards, we protect it because there is the potential of someone taking what we have. And God said to Adam and Eve, I want you to take care of the garden and I want you to protect the garden, to guard it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that was a lot of information right there. Can we just take for a moment all of that information that we just shared and just put it right here for a minute, okay? Let's just take it all together, just place it right here, okay? Now, let's turn our Bibles now over to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 34. Numbers chapter 34. Hallelujah. It's going to get good here tonight. It's not great English, but it's going to get good. Numbers 34. Amen. I kind of, preacher kind of look, normally waits for the rustling of the leaves to stop, but with these smartphones nowadays, you don't know. You don't know if they're, uh, you know, whatever. But anyway, Numbers 34. Look at it here. 
it said, the Lord spoke to Moses. Okay, we've just jumped the big thing. We, we've put all that here. We're not talking about Adam and Eve anymore. We're now talking Moses. Now, you know the story of Moses. God called Moses to be a mighty deliverer, to take the people out of Egyptian bondage into what? Promised land. Isn't that right? Amen. He was called to take them out of the physical land of Egypt into the land of promise. Now, back in those days, they had a land of promises. Today, we have a book of promises that God wants to bring us into. Now, Moses was called not just to bring them out. He was called to bring them in. Can I just stop there for a moment and say to every one of you, your testimony is not just to be what God has brought you out of. I thank God for testimonies that they say, oh, I thank God he took me out of drugs. I thank God he took me out of a bad relationship. I thank God he took me out of bankruptcy. I thank God he took me out of alcoholism. I thank God he took me out of depression. I thank God for that, amen. But God, that's just half your testimony, hallelujah. God has not just called you out, he's called you out of some things to bring you into some things, amen. To bring you into prosperity, to bring you into healing, amen, to bring you into a ministry, to bring you into a greater anointing, to bring you into a realm of deliverance. Come on, someone say amen. Amen. He's not just called you out, he's called you out to bring you in. And Moses' job was not just to bring the people of God out of Egyptian bondage, his job was to bring them into the promises of God, the promised land. That's where God wants to bring each and every one of us. Hallelujah. He's not just wanting to bring us out of things. He wants to bring us into some things. Come on, I want to hear someone shout in this place. He's not just calling us out of some things. He's calling us into some things. If your testimony is only what God's brought you out of, that's just half your testimony. Amen. Uh, We need to get some testimonies of what God has brought us into. Woo, hallelujah. And so God says to Moses here in Numbers 34, verse 2, When you come into the land of Canaan, this land that shall fall to you as an inheritance, the land of Canaan to its boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. 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 God is now about to tell Moses what the boundaries of the promised land that God is giving them is about to be, what what it's going to be. And if you look at it, verse 3 says, Your southern border shall be from the wilderness of Zin. He describes it all the way to the Dead Sea, the Salt Sea. Verse 6 says, Your western border shall be this. Verse 7, Your northern border. Verse 10, Your eastern border. How many see it in your Bibles? Amen. He's describing the boundaries of the promised land. How many see that? Amen. That God's going to bring them into. Now again, how many know Moses blew it? Big time. And Moses was never able to bring them into what God had for them, but God raised up another generation, a Joshua generation, to bring them into it. How many know that's true? Amen? Now let's just take everything we talked about in Numbers 34. You got it there? Let's put it right here. Genesis 1-2 right here. Numbers 34 right here. You got it? Now we're going to see how these two come together. You ready for this? Are you ready for this? I'm not so sure. Are you ready for this? Come on, talk to me. It'll go a lot better. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 4. 
Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 4. There's really one verse I want to show you, but I want to start at verse 18 because the text is so good. Proverbs chapter 4. Amen. Because this verse, you can't, you can't help but start with this verse. Verse 18. But the path, well, how many know this verse already? I just say the path and you already know it. But the path of the just. Do I have any just people in this house tonight? You might not maybe use that term. How about this, justified? Redeemed? Do I have anybody here? Saved? Do I have any of those folk in this house tonight? Well, if you've been saved, you've been redeemed. If you've been redeemed, you've been justified. Amen. If you've been justified, you are the just of God. And the Bible here says that the path of the just is like, amen, the the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter till that perfect day. You got to get excited about that. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, God's plan for you is to bless you, to make you fruitful, to multiply. And the path of the just is to just keep getting better and better and better and better and stronger and stronger. Hallelujah. Come on, receive that right now. Amen. God's plan and path for this house is to get brighter and brighter. Hallelujah to that perfect day. That's the purpose and the plan for God for your life. The path of the just. Amen. Are you just tonight? How many know it's not through our goodness, it's through his? How many know it's not our goodness, but his goodness? How many know it was a gift that was given to you? We're not made just by our own works. We are made just by just being smart enough to receive his free gift of justification. Salvation. Hallelujah. So you are the just. Everybody say this. Say, my path is to get brighter and brighter. Better and better. Faith to faith. Glory to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shines ever brighter. Now, most verse 19. But the way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't even know what makes them stumble. Isn't that right? Wow, what a contrast. The path of the just gets brighter and brighter, but the way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't even know what makes them stumble. Look at verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. What's the next verse? Incline your ears to my saints. You know that word incline, notice it's not the word recline. That's a lot of people want to have, just recline, just pull up the lazy boy. Just put on a preaching thing, no, incline. Incline means to stretch, to make a real effort. What is God saying here? He's saying, my son, my daughter, Give attention to my words. I bless you tonight for being here and hearing the word of God on May the 27th on a Sunday night in Stratford. You are giving attention. You are making an effort to be here. Why? Because, amen, you want to get the sayings of God. Stretch. The Bible says make a real effort. 
I don't have to go to those encounter services. I'd rather just have a barbecue. No, you're reclining. You're not inclining. I don't have to go to church every Sunday. I can just go once a month or so. That's enough. No, you've got to make a real effort to get his sayings. Amen? Why? Why? Why, Pastor Tim? Why, Pastor Chad? Do I have to make a real effort? Why do I have to get the sayings of God? Why? Why? Look what he says in verse 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep what? Keep the word of God in the midst of your heart. Why, Pastor Tim? Why, Pastor Chad? Why, Pastor Melissa? Do I have to do this? Why? Why do I have to do this? Look at the next verse. For they, the word of God, is life to those who find it. And health and healing to all their flesh. Hallelujah. This is why we've got to make a real effort to get the words of God. Why? It's life. It's health. It's healing. To all their flesh. Now look at verse 23. I said all that just to get to this verse. Then he says this, keep, everybody say keep. <laughs> that word keep there is the same Hebrew word as in Genesis chapter 2, 15, where God said to Adam and Eve, keep your garden. What the word keep mean? Protect, man, uh, uh, guard. Now God is saying to us, keep Man, protect, guard, what? Your heart. Do you know that God looks at your heart and he sees it as another garden? Your heart is the garden of God. Adam and Eve had a physical garden called the Garden of Eden that God placed them in. Now, God has placed his garden called your spirit, man, in your being. Your heart is now the garden of God. And God says to you and to me and to every one of us, you have a responsibility, just like Adam and Eve had a responsibility, to care for, to cultivate, to tend, to feed their garden, and to protect it. You and I have a responsibility, dear friends, to care for, to cultivate, to nourish, to feed the garden of God that is within us and to protect it. And he goes on to say, and do so, what? With all diligence. In other words, just don't be lazy about this. Don't be half-hearted about it. Amen. Don't just be reclining. Make a real effort. And with all diligence, you've got to nourish your spirit man, feed your spirit man, cultivate the garden of God that is within you, and you've got to protect it. Why, Pastor Tim? Why do I have to feed my garden? Why do I have to protect my garden? Oh, no big reason. Look at the next verse. Verse 23, but the next line. For out of it, what's the it? Your heart, your garden flows what? The issues, some versions say the forces, but watch this. That word issues or springs or forces 
is the same Hebrew word as in Numbers 34 when God is describing to Moses the boundaries of the promised land. God is saying to us through Proverbs chapter 4, you've got to guard and protect your heart, which is the garden of God, for out of your garden, amen, uh, flows, what? The boundaries of your life. Wow. The boundaries of your life are not in your neighbor's heart. They're not even in Pastor Chad and Melissa's heart. Now they've got goodwill for you. They have good desire for you. They have a desire, I know, for you to succeed and do well and to excel in God. And they want to do everything they can to help that be nurtured and go forward. But ultimately, amen, the boundaries of your life are not in their hearts. They're in your hearts. They're not in the government's heart. Come on, everybody say amen. They're not in the heart of Parliament Hill. They're not in the heart of Queen's Park. Amen. They are not in the heart of your neighbor. They are in your heart. The boundaries of your life. By the way, they're not set yet. They are being established and set by what's coming out of your heart. Mmm. Hallelujah. Now, friends, what came out of the Garden of Eden. Anybody remember? Rivers. Ain't that right? There was rivers that came out of the Garden of God. Quickly, if you would, turn over now to John's Gospel, chapter 7. Just two more texts of Scripture. Amen. And then we'll conclude this. But John, chapter 7. John, chapter 7. How many are being blessed already? How many are getting something already from this? Amen. It's going to go a little, little deeper here. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Amen. Some said, said with a loud voice. I like that. That means Jesus wasn't a quiet preacher. He said with a loud voice. Now, I want you to picture the scene here. This is one of the feasts of Israel. And in this feast, the high priest would take a chalice or a cup of cold water from the temple. And he would lead a processional out of the temple into the desert, into the dry heat of the desert. And to fulfill what Isaiah said, he will pour water on the dry ground. The high priest would do this uh, in fulfillment of what Isaiah said as a processional, speaking of the coming Messiah, and he would take that cold water, lead the processional, and how many know, even a few minutes out in the desert, you're going to get with that hot sun, especially in the Mediterranean, amen, you're going to get thirsty real quick. And you're going to be thinking, boy, I wish he wasn't pouring that on the ground. I wish I could have a drink of that. But he would pour that cold water on the ground, and, and, and Jesus is there observing this. And I can just see Jesus getting up on a rock somewhere to be seen and lifting up his voice to be heard. And Jesus, as this is happening, he says this. Hey, is anybody thirsty? If you're out in the desert, I think everybody would be thirsty. He says, everybody thirsty? You know what I believe with all my heart? 
that the spirit of Jesus is in this house. And one of the things that he'd be saying to each and every one of us right now, he'd be asking us this question. Hey, in Bethel Stratford, is anybody thirsty? Are you thirsty? And then Jesus said this. He said, let him come to me and drink. Then he said this, for out of his heart, remember what I said, your heart is the garden of God? Out of your heart will flow, what? Rivers of living water. And then it finishes and said, but this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, let's not misunderstand here. When we get, just before we get too excited, let's not misunderstand. There's only one Holy Spirit. But there are many attributes to who he is. And I'm telling you, the Bible doesn't say, some people say, there will flow out of you a river of living water. It doesn't say a river. It says rivers, brother. It says there will flow out of your heart rivers. But this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. In other words, I'm here to tell you tonight by revelation of the Holy Spirit through the word of God that your heart is the garden of God. Hallelujah. And you are to cultivate it. You are to nourish it. You are to tend to it. You are to feed it. And you are to protect it. Amen. And out of your heart, there are rivers. Rivers that are in the Holy Spirit. Well, what's in the Holy Spirit? How about healing? How about anointing? How about deliverance? How about peace? How about salvation? Hallelujah. It's in you, brother and sister, by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Is there anybody here tonight and says, I've got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me. Amen. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of me. Hallelujah. The precious, powerful, anointed Holy Spirit dwells within me. Hallelujah. And he is releasing. If you'll let him, if you'll release it, he is releasing rivers out of you. Rivers of anointing, rivers of glory, rivers of healing. How about this one? Rivers of creativity. I'm telling you, there's creativity in you by the Holy Ghost. Do you know that the first character quality of God as given in the scripture is not redeemer or savior, it's creator. In the beginning, God the our God, the Elohim God, the triune God, in the meaning God created in the Holy Spirit. Don't you love this, Melissa? Amen. In the Holy Spirit, there is creativity. There is rivers. Listen to me, young people here tonight. Amen. There is within you, by the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, rivers of anointing, rivers of faith, rivers of power, rivers of glory, and rivers of creativity. And you know what it's doing? It's establishing the boundaries of your life. Why do I have to feed my spirit man? Why do I have to take care of it? Why do I have to cultivate it? Why do I have to nourish my spirit, my garden? Why do I have to protect it? Oh, no reason. Just the boundaries of your life are in there. 
And if you don't feed and cultivate and care for it and protect it, amen, the boundaries that God has for you. I'm saying God said to Adam and Eve, he said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. You'll never fill the earth or the sphere that God has ordained for you. You'll never do it. If you don't understand this revelation, there's rivers of blessing in you that wants to come out of you that God wants to release of fruitfulness and multiplication. I'm, I'm not here tonight to try to impress you or say I'm something special, but for some of these young people here tonight, I remember, amen, like 35 years ago, <laughs> as a teenager, something like that, being at a Sunday night service in Greenfield Park, Quebec, suburb of Montreal, being in encounter service like this. And while the worship leader was singing worship songs, I'd be lifting my hands and say, oh, Lord, I want your Holy Spirit, Lord, I want you to anoint me. Lord, you know, we'd sing songs back in those days, like I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. <laughs> Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I give you my all, hallelujah. And what was I doing? I was cultivating my spirit, man. I was protecting it, I had no idea. Do you know that just two years ago, I was in a nightclub in Moscow, Russia, standing on a bar. Now, all of a sudden, all of you wondering, is there a scandal? Something is about to reveal? Is this a confession? I wasn't there drinking. I was standing on a bar with a disco bulb above my head, just a few hundred yards from the Kremlin in Moscow, Russia, in a disco club, standing on a bar, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the churches there had rented the nightclub every Sunday night to hold services as an outreach to the downtown people of Moscow. And I'm standing on the bar with all the drinks behind and the cages and the disco ball, and I thought to myself, how in the world did I ever get here? I was born in South Porcupine, Ontario. How did this happen? You know how it happened? Not because of me, but because I just let some rivers of faith and rivers of anointing and rivers of blessing, hallelujah, and God just keeps expanding the borders of my life. And I'm telling you, God will take you places you never even imagined. He's a God, how many know that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think? And how many know that God can change the boundaries of our lives? I want to end with this. Turn over one last scripture to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Praise God. Thank you for having me tonight. Thank you for being attentive to the word. I hope it's a blessing. Mark, chapter 10. I just want to give one example, and I could give many here tonight from scripture, but how this kind of plays out. Everybody say, our God, our God is a boundary changer. He can change the boundaries of our lives. How many know sometimes boxes can be put on us? Sometimes we can put them on ourselves. Isn't that right? Sometimes we do it to ourselves. Sometimes circumstances puts us in boxes. But how many know our God's a boundary changer? Now look at this great story and you're going to see it. 
Uh, Mark 10, verse 46, 46. Now, they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus. Ever heard of him? Just in case you haven't, he was the son of Timaeus. Now, isn't it interesting, just before I go further, the scripture here, the, the people identified him by his condition. How many know that's a box right there? He's not just Barnabas with dreams and hopes and functioning and with, 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 with an issue. He's been labeled as blind Barnabas. Whenever we talk about Barnabas, we always say blind Barnabas. How many know that's a box of limitation? That's a label. You know what the challenge for many here and many that are part of our communities is that they've been labeled. You're a single mom. You're, you're this. You're, you're, you're a slow learner. And we've accepted those labels, and it's now defined who we are, and it's set the boundaries of our lives. But our God is a boundary changer. Hallelujah. He's a boundary changer. And so blind Bartimaeus, he sat by the road begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Hallelujah. Now, what I love about this, <laughs> he can't see, but he can hear. And how many knows the Bible says, faith doesn't come by seeing, Faith comes by hearing. Amen. How many know the Bible says we don't go by what we see, we go by what we hear. Amen. So evidently, Bartimaeus had been hearing about this Jesus of Nazareth who was opening the eyes of the blind, opening the ears of the deaf, healing the cripple, my goodness, even raising the dead and feeding the multitude. And he heard about this and faith began to rise up in his heart. And he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. Have mercy on me. How many see that there's a river of faith that's coming out of Bartimaeus? Can you see that? When he's calling out, he's hearing it. Amen. He's cultivating. He's been cultivating for a little while, I bet, because he sat by the road. You know, it's kind of like when you're at a restaurant and the waitress, you kind of forget that she's there and you're just talking all your business and maybe even some private or personal things, but you just forget that she's coming and going and she's hearing all the talk of the town. Amen. All the talk of Bethel Church. Amen. She's hearing it all. Amen. And you just think that you're kind of oblivious to the fact that she's there. How many know what I'm talking about? You just keep talking, chit-chat away. She's coming, taking dishes, and all the while she's hearing everything that's being said. Whether she's wanting to or not, you're hearing it. This is like Barnabas. He sat by the road. Nobody's paying attention to him, but he's hearing. Did you hear the other day Jesus opened someone's eyes? Did you hear the other day he healed someone's ears? Did you hear the other day? And then all of a sudden, hey, who's coming? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And all of a sudden, Bartimaeus, that's a river of faith. Jesus, son of David, have mercy.
mercy on me. Now, what, what do all his friends do? What, do? what does the church community do? What do those around him do? They say, they say to him, they warned him to be quiet. Shut up, Artemis. What were they saying? Stay in the box called blindness. Stay in your disability. You're always blind, Bartimaeus. You'll always be that way. You stay in that condition. Hush up, Bartimaeus. This is who. Now, now, let me just say this. How many know that Bartimaeus at that moment has a choice to make? He could all of a sudden start developing theology that would say, well, maybe God wants me to be this way. Maybe God made me to sit by the road begging. Maybe God made me to be blind all the days of my life. He could begin to rationalize and form theology based on the words around him and the experience around him. But what did Barnabas do? He said, no, my God's a boundary changer. Hallelujah. And he began to cry all the more and release a greater river of faith. The Bible says he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. Now you got to love this. And then they, the same ones who just a minute ago were saying, shut up, Bartimaeus. Be quiet. Now they're like, ooh, be of good cheer. Can we help you? He's calling you. Come on, how many know people are fickle? Amen? People, oh, they can change opinions like the wind. They can be moody. One minute they're for you, one minute they're against you. One minute they're against you, next minute they're for you. They said, amen, amen, be a good cheer, rise, he's calling you. Now watch this, we're going to end with this, but watch this. And Bartimaeus, throwing aside his garment. Now, if you don't understand what's going on here, you can so easily miss it, you just think he just tossed his coat to the side and got up. That's not what it is at all. That garment, you study this out. In those days, they had a whole welfare system and they had something called the beggar's garment. There was a garment that beggars would wear that would identify them, like an identification badge or whatever. They would have a garment that would identify them as a verifiable beggar. It's called a beggar's garment. And Bartimaeus, when he heard Jesus calling, he's not even healed yet. He can't even see yet. But he took that beggar's garment and he threw it away. He cast it aside. What's he doing? He's casting away all doubt. He's casting away all fear. He's casting away all limitation. He's casting away every restriction. He's casting every box. Amen. He's casting all that, and here he comes. Amen. He can't even see yet. But what? He's listening for that voice. Can I just tell you right now, if you're going to be used in the things of God and the anointing of God, you cannot go by what you see. You've got to go by the voice that you hear. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. You've got to go by the voice that you hear. The voice of God speaking to you. He couldn't see anything, but he's following that voice. If you'll just follow the voice of God, hallelujah, he'll take you places. He'll transform your life. He'll change the boundaries of your life. Here he comes. Now, don't you just love Jesus? Come on, don't you just love Jesus? Jesus cracks me up sometimes. Don't he just crack you up? Jesus looks at this, a blind man. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? 
Isn't it abundantly obvious? But you know what? We laugh and we chuckle. But I believe the spirit of Jesus again is in this house. And just like he would say to us, is anyone thirsty? I believe he'd also ask this question to all of us. What do you want me to do for you? See, if you can't articulate it, you'll never have it. You've got to be able to speak it forth. You've got to be able to declare it. You've got to be able to prophesy it. And Bartimaeus says, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. What? Your faith. Didn't say my power. Now it's obvious it was the power of God. But your faith has made you whole. Let's put it another way. Your faith has changed everything about your life, has transformed your life, has removed all the limitations, amen, has set new boundaries in your life. And Bartimaeus is no longer sitting by the road begging. He's walking and moving and seeing, operating a whole new realm. He's not now stuck at one place. He's about to fill the earth. Hallelujah. What do you want God to do for you today? I'm telling you, you've got more in you than what you realize. You've got the garden of God called the spirit of God, the heart of God. Your heart is the garden of God. And you've got a responsibility, my dear brother and sister. Amen. This church is the garden of God. And you who are part of this church have a responsibility to nourish it, to tend to it, to feed it, to cultivate it, to protect it, to guard it. Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because out of your garden, out of your heart is flowing the rivers of God. Hallelujah. And it is establishing the boundaries of your life. And Bartimaeus, he could still, he'd be sitting many more days by that road begging. He could have not guard his heart and let the voices of doubt and unbelief and religion restrict him and keep him forever in that place, or at least all the days of his life. But he said, no, I'm going to protect my heart. I'm listening for the voice of Jesus and I'm going to release a river of faith that's about to change everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many are receiving this word tonight? How many are receiving this word? Is this all right for a May Sunday night, this word? I believe if you get this revelation, it can transform your life. Transform this house. Not to say this house isn't already a house of blessing. But I'm telling you, God's purpose for this house is that you be fruitful and multiply and fill Stratford and fill this region with the glory of God. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it's already in you. I'm just here to exhort you, but you really don't mean me. It's already in you, the Spirit of God. And hear me tonight, you young people. Hear me tonight. There are rivers in you. 
by the Holy Spirit. Rivers of anointing, rivers of faith, rivers of power. I even believe rivers of finance and entrepreneurship and business. I believe that's also there. I believe in the name of Jesus, there are unique rivers, even just for you, of creativity that as you allow and tap into the ultimate creator God, hallelujah, and hear his voice and cultivate it, amen, it will release creativity in you that you couldn't even imagine or think that's going to establish the boundaries of your life. So what is it you want God to do for you tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me all over this house tonight? The worship team can come. Hallelujah. 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 Can we just lift our hands in the presence of the Lord? As they begin to just play some music. And can you begin to let a river of praise and worship come out of your heart tonight? Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Bible says Bartimaeus cried out with a loud voice. Come on tonight. Don't be passive. Don't be timid. Come on. Let's make a real effort tonight. Let's do it with all diligence tonight. Come on. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray with your understanding. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray with your understanding. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. For the glory of God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Worship him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. We bless you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Let a river of God's anointing flow through you tonight. Hallelujah. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 